0: My name is Elizabeth Lewis and I'm the owner and CEO of Detroit mom. As a teen mom, I know firsthand the feeling of isolation and the fears that come at different stages of motherhood. I spent half the time wondering where to find community and the other half dreaming of a way to create that community for myself and the women around me. No mother should experience change and challenges alone. I created this community and podcast to make sure women in my community are never alone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to make sure you have a voice and your story is being heard. Welcome to The Unfiltered Mom. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, and today we are going to talk about antipartum, which I'm going to be honest, you guys, I did not know was a thing because I'm like... The best pregnant person, like I love, like when I say love it, I could be someone's surrogate. Love it. Four kids later, I'm like pregnancy. Yes, I feel so like I'll come walking down the bathroom. My husband's like, "Dang, girl, you feeling yourself?" Like I'm like, "Yeah, I am." Like just butt naked, pregnant, and he's just like, "I don't know what it is, but whenever I'm pregnant, I like feel my best. Like I just, I, I'll just show you guys pictures, but people are always shocked when I say, "Oh, I'm gonna give birth in like two weeks." They're like, "What?" Yeah, so. I want to kind of dig into this. What is Antipartum? I know, and you know when I first heard of heard of it, actually, let's Tiff is actually Tiff is back from season one. Mm-hmm. Tiffany's back with us. You guys have heard from Ashley and we have Tom Keene online. They are all women that have experienced antipartum. So I'm excited to have them there, kind of bring, kind of to shed some light on it because, like I said, I had no idea which – and, Ashley, you are the first person. I remember you saying something. I had to Google it. I was like, what is antidepressant or, or antipartum? Like, I'm this is so crazy. So tell me this whole thing with antipartum and your experience with it.
1: Yeah. So, so antipartum also could be known as prenatal depression. So they're kind of one in the same, if you will. But it is a an extremely common topic that no one, and I mean no one, talks about. It's so true. And the whole thing, I mean, this huge concept in the simplest format is to have a really rough go during your pregnancy. You're depressed. You don't enjoy your pregnancy. You struggle, whether it be with anxiety. I had PTSD. Oh, my gosh. Um, I had... An extremely difficult pregnancy. Okay. To the point where there were days I couldn't even get out of bed. There were days where if I even thought putting on a shirt was going to make me lose my twins. Like, it was debilitating of how depressed I was during my pregnancy. Okay. I'd have panic attacks. They were um, the worst in the shower. I don't know if it was an enclosed space. It got to the point where my husband, Alex, he actually bathed me for most of my pregnancy because I could not even be left alone in the shower. So the whole concept again is just that it's not always these rainbows and butterflies that we see, whether it be social media or in the public or celebrities or even just your friends or family members that I don't think I've truly, looking back like previous me and going through my Mm -hmm. pregnancy, I can't recall any friends, family members, people in my personal life, social media life that ever really painted the picture of struggling during
0: their pregnancy. Do you think it though was also this feeling that people would shame them because like oh you have this beautiful miracle and it should be such an amazing thing when I don't think this is something that just out of the blue started happening right
1: (laughs) Well, you, you don't choose, right, right, Tiff? Like you don't choose to not enjoy your pregnancy. Uh, I think most women would say that they would go into it. I mean, for yeah. in my own personal story, we longed for years with IVF treatments and infertility and losses, and so there was an even extra layer of guilt mm-hmm. where I felt like I couldn't not enjoy it yeah and then i felt bad because i wasn't enjoying the pregnancy <sighs> mm-hmm. but it was horrible i don't know tiff if you had a similar experience
2: well first and foremost i never knew that it was a term for it mm. until i read the yeah. topic list <laughs> <Are> you- <laughs> and i was like oh wait yeah and so for me you know i have a big gap between my two girls 11 years difference with my oldest daughter And, you know, guys, I'm little, I'm 14. I'm like this itty bitty little tiny thing. And during my pregnancy with my first daughter, I was extremely sick Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And I remember being so sick that I literally was laying on my mother's couch and I literally said, I said, God. If you don't make me feel better, I'm going to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. I literally yeah. felt just whew, that sick, and yeah. I was just so tired of being sick. And that lasted every single day. It was like you know, I'm hearing people, oh, morning sickness. You know, no, it was all day, twenty-four hours, non-stop sickness for four and a half. And you months. were younger, so, yeah. And I was at that point with my oldest daughter. I was twenty-nine. Okay. Yep. And I was like, this is insane. I'm so sick. I had a slight moment of a sweet spot, very small, maybe a month Mm -hmm. and a half, where it was just greedy girl gang all day. I was able to eat whatever I want. But then once again, because I'm small, I have a very short torso. Once I crossed over into my last leg, the last three months, I can't think of the term. The trimester. Third trimester. I'm like, what? (laughs) that's when it got really hard again because I was just so extremely uncomfortable you know it was hard to do pretty much anything I had sciatica and it was just all of these little things that just you know and believe it or not that was my easy pregnancy oh my gosh (laughs) that was the easy one now you come full circle you know I had Tilly my second daughter maybe only a matter of a few months before my 40th birthday. Yeah. So talk about a whole nother level, you know, here I am considered, you know, what do they call it? A geriatric pregnancy.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is a whole nother topic.
1: It's like geriatric. I'm still in my (laughs) What (laughs) Jesus.
2: (laughs) But um, with Tilly, It was just a whole nother world. I was extremely sick. And I kept trying to recount back to my pregnancy with Paige. Like, okay, just get through the first three months. Just get, you know, your second trimester is going to be better. Just get through it. Just get through it. Well, then you go into your... My second trimester and nothing changed. And uh, then I remember working with a young lady and she's like pregnant. And we were around the same age. I'm like, she bouncing around. Like I was annoyed. That was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you are so annoying. Go sit down somewhere. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. And I'm like, well, she's younger. Maybe that's it. You yes. know? Because there was 11 years difference. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm struggling just to walk down the hallway to get to my office, you know, every step I took was like a a struggle. And during that time, I ended up going to the doctor and I found out that my blood count was low and all of these different things. And then I had, what is it called? I'm telling you, my brain is going blank. But when you're placenta, placenta previa. Mm -hmm. Oh my
0: god! So I had...
2: Placenta privia with her. And so then I ended up on bed rest for like uh, probably two months. Okay. And and then it's just, I was just uncomfortable. And then, of course, they're like, Placenta privia, don't have sex. And everybody's like, But sex is supposed to be the best while you're pregnant. I can't do that either. This is because you can't get pregnant. (laughs) Insane. What is wrong? Like, it was just like a very miserable time. Then you get into my third trimester, and again, I'm a huge, I was bigger this go around than I was, so I was extremely uncomfortable, and I started having issues. Oh, not to mention I had to get a shot every single week, like. and I forgot what the name, McKenna, McKenna, something. Was it for
0: nausea or something? No, it was to
2: help me carry to full term, because with PAGE, I had to be induced, and then prior to getting pregnant with Tilly, I had two miscarriages oh fairly gosh, close Tiff. together. And so in this shot, you guys, was like holy hell burning in your booty. Mm. You know, and I had to go every, literally every single Tuesday and get this shot injected wow. in my booty cheek. And it would not up and it would be
1: painful, yes. and it would,
2: you know, and by the time it, the pain and the uncomfortable would ease up. It's for time for her. another one. And I had to get that every single week for the whole duration of my pregnancy. And so it was just like I was not happy. I just wanted to sleep. I was just not happy. Yeah. You know, and then I feel and then you get that mom guilt because I was it was in a time where my 13 year old, she was 11. And she was transitioning into this new level of everything, middle school and everything. And I, I still deal with mom guilt because of that, because I was not. Able to be present with her and be there because I was having such this miserable yes. pregnancy, you know? Mm-hmm. And even in a recent conversation with her, you know, we were just talking because I'm just trying to reconnect with her. And she's like, I mean, mom, I didn't really have any problems with you until you were pregnant. And it's uh, just like, oh. That's mm-hmm. a gut punch, right. you know? Yep. And so, It it just wasn't a pleasant experience. And then let's not even get into my birth, you know. I had a very, you know, I began to bleed. And I had already had some issues with bleeding here and there. And that's part of why I ended up on bed rest a few times. And when I went into the doctor, it was like, well, we're going to give you the shot. Isn't that because of the placenta? And so what ended up happening is that when it was time... They decided they were going to go ahead and induce because this bleeding, my doctors were really concerned with it, and my placenta had moved just enough where I was going to be able to deliver vaginally. Wow. So I delivered vaginally, you know, pushed three times, and she was out. Great, right? But then I began to hemorrhage significantly. Oh my gosh, Tess. I mean, and it's, I remember when they put Silly on me, I held her for all of maybe a few moments and then they took her right from me. And I didn't get to hold her again until that night at like probably, it was like 12 hours because I had her in the morning about 9 a.m. and It was probably 9, 10 o'clock at night before I was able to hold her again. When they rushed me to the ER, I mean, to the OR. I didn't find this out until later, because I'm out of it, but my mom was like, they had to change your room because there was just so much blood. Oh my gosh. See, everywhere I had to have a blood yeah. transfusion. And then, guys, when I came out of it, they had put, you know, whatever, a balloon to help to stop the bleeding. But my body is naturally still contracting because this, if we just had a baby. There's nothing that should be in here. Mm. They gave me morphine and it did not work. Oh <sighs> my gosh. So, for the next six hours straight, think about your highest level contraction, having it nonstop with no sight of relief inside. It was excruciating i'm like yo just take it i'm 40 we're not having no more did you did you do did they do that no i begged but i think they thought i was delusional and crazy and i'm like no sis straight up let's do this take it i don't have any desire to have any more children we already decided that this was our last anyways because with that that rounds us off at five together so we were good but yeah so beginning to end I literally almost didn't make it.
0: Wow. And
2: so, yo, pregnancy was not the ticket for me. (laughs) Don't ever. I'm so glad I never have to experience that again.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's kind of what's crazy to me. I know, you know, Tom Keene, when we talked about it, you felt very similar. And here you have six children.
3: Yeah. So, So for me, The first pregnancy was already, because I, you know, we we waited about three years before in in Indian culture. Three years is like a lifetime. So let me just put that out there. So (laughs) we waited three years and we were like, you know, already waiting for too long, according to our elders. And when we had my first, she, when I got pregnant with her, you know, I thought it was going to be so beautiful. Um, magical experience where everything was just going to be um put together. You know, things were just yeah. fall into place the way it, it magically appears. All the books say that, you know, you're going to fall in love with it. And I did. I loved her yeah. from the moment I knew I was expecting her. But then there was this, I felt always like, when people who deal with mental health can, can relate with this, I felt this shadow, this dark cloud always following me. And it felt like I'm supposed to be ignoring that cloud. I'm not supposed to give it any space but yet it persisted. And that dark cloud was like an overwhelming feeling of anxiety that I'm not going to make it through this pregnancy. I'm going to be one of those moms who's going to die, you know, carrying this child Um, or this child is not going to be born well, or there's something going to go wrong with her or something's going to go wrong with me. And there was just this overwhelming feeling of anxiety that felt like a cloud at the beginning. But as my pregnancy progressed, it felt like the cloud just got bigger and darker and I was just giving into it because it just became too, too large of it, and and it wasn't just one pregnancy. So for me, those who've heard me on here before, I've said it that out of the six children I've had, four times postpartum depression. But what I have realized when I had my last child was that I also had antipartum depression because the depression I felt like when they would ask me those questions, you have know, to have your baby. Are you feeling okay? You know, are you? you know, do you feel you know, all those questions that you go through for when you go through your doctor checkup? I was like, Yes, but I I said no because it was no different from what I was feeling for months. Mm-hmm. So I felt like what what the doctor has failed to see or maybe even need to, uh, to recognize was that this feeling was not new one. It just got a lot heavier after I had my baby. But it felt like the the, the foundation, the grounds of it were already there and they were already growing up. Like And, and mental health is like that. It just it, it becomes a thief. And that's what this antipartum depression was like. It was like a thief in the moment. I didn't feel that overwhelming love for my bump or my, uh, you know, of being pregnant. The kicks were great. The little, you know, the ultrasound was great. But there was over always, always, always this overwhelming feeling of fear, anxiety. These these manic you know, these actions of extreme they, they cause something that's really not coming to me, where you where you get obsessed about a certain thought and you feel like whatever you you feel is so great and big that you can't control it and then you become obsessive about it. And and it's part of like it's like a manifestation of anxiety. That my last child was what I called for me myself is my is called hitting rock bottom. I was such a of myself that it took my husband to basically pull me out of it because I couldn't recognize myself. I couldn't stand sounds. I would be completely forgetful. I wanted to be, I wanted my five children to be just whispering around me all the time because any sound would make me start shaking. You know, it, 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 be, I was a child and I, and, and I don't understand Think that people understand that sometimes the most quietest, mutedest mother is actually having a rage inside her mind that she just can't bring into words, and that's what my 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 experience is. That there was this world and this rage and this this loud noise always coming in my head. But i just couldn 't say anything, and so I became the most quietest. I stopped talking to people disconnect complete disconnect from people and completely avoiding phone calls, just being immersed in the, the in myself because I just as I felt like if I opened my mouth, I, was just, I would just totally leave it. I would be gone
0: oh my gosh it's so it 's so crazy just kind of hearing that because it makes me wonder how many women like we have healthcare that does a really shitty job checking up on us after, like really mm-hmm. following through. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. When I answered those questions, I was like, I don't know. I, maybe this is normal. Like, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. good. And then yeah. when I actually had my issues, like, well, why didn't you say something? It's like, well, I don't know. I, this is a new feeling. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what this is. <laughs> and so it really makes me wonder what isn't happening prior to Mm -hmm. us giving birth. Right. And it's something even I think as women, we need to check in with each other. Like, are you sure? Are you okay? Like, Mm -hmm. are you okay? And I, I think we, it's so easy to get wrapped up in our own lives, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's happening with us, me and this, this world, that's this me mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so because I was, I know people struggled in pregnancy, right? Like people threw up their whole entire pregnancies, but I but that's did different. I know. That's and that's what I'm saying. Like I never realized the depression yeah. and the anxiety part Right. Mm-hmm. And even pregnancy. As I,
1: just heard, I mean, I felt, I, I'm, I'm teary-eyed because it, it brings back a weight mm-hmm. on, on my chest. Like I almost feel like I can't breathe again. Yeah.
3: Yes. Going back
1: yeah. and trying yeah. to, you know, remember what it was like. To feel like mm-hmm. this is supposed to be the most beautiful moment of my life. Mm-hmm. And there were times I looked at my lips and I like, I can't, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a, a big difference there, right? There's a big difference between I feel nauseous mm-hmm. and uh, I feel nauseous and versus I, I literally do don't feel like I can keep going yeah. With, yeah. with this like, pregnancy, right? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, then there's this hot topic, right, of whether or not you should be on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yes. When you're pregnant. And it's such a shh type comment, right? I had been on antidepressants prior to because of my past. I. Went off of them during our IVF process because I wasn't "quote unquote" allowed to be on them during that, and we couldn't get me back on them fast enough. And I'll tell you what, that little Zoloft pill was a game changer in my world. Yeah, and it helped me. I didn't feel normal, but I felt a little bit more like myself. But those days were dark, and that those those days in pregnancy are, are are hard, and. Yeah, it's not just I'm nauseous or I don't mm-hmm. feel good. Yeah, it's a lot deeper than that.
2: And what's so crazy with that, too, because, you know, not all men get it. Mm-hmm. And like for my husband, being someone who had dealt with anxiety in the past or whatever, and he found his niche, his thing that helped him cope, you know, and so, in his mind, is this is what helped me. This is what yeah, will what right. help you. And being the. Strong one all the time. Everybody who knows me knows. You know, I have this really strong personality. I've been told times before, like you know, Tiff, you're so strong, you're so. And you know, you hear that thing, check on your strong yeah. friends because they're not okay. Yeah. And I yeah. think I was categorized in that. And even though I was kind of, you know, I was trying to express like what I was feeling. Yeah. And I remember this one particular day, and I know my husband met Will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they always I,
2: do. Was, <laughs> I was on the couch and I was just in my mom and I was trying my best to articulate yeah. to him just how much I was struggling. And he's like, I think it's just all in your head.
1: <gasps>
2: and it was kind of like any. He, he yeah, not I heard that too. He wasn't, he didn't have any ill will in his tone. No. There was nothing that, you know, there was no combativeness or yeah. anything like that. But in that moment, it kind of shut me down a little bit more because it's just like nobody gets it. Right. Nobody hears it. Nobody sees. Mm-hmm. And I'm really struggling here. Right. You know, and oh, man, yeah. it's just crazy just to think that. And then going through to the after, like you were saying, Tom King, how it transitions. And it just gets heavier after. And I remember when we came home from the hospital, we were in the hospital for about a a good week or so. And it was more, it was because of me. Tilly was perfectly fine. And I remember when we got home and we walked in the house, and I sat on the couch and I just broke down crying mm-hmm. and i just cried so hard because it was just such this flush because it was just emotion it was like you know i almost didn't come home
0: oh yeah that part
2: like yeah, i almost that. didn't come home i almost left my brand new baby and my dog. i almost left them behind i almost didn't make it yeah and that part took a deep toll on me as well and the postpartum depression oh. was so heavy for me mm. and, yeah. and nobody really got it i even got into it with my father because i had snapped on him so bad because he was questioning something i did and it's like i
1: can't that outside noise don't qu- i can't yeah you know mm. so it's 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 heavy and i don't know it's something i know for for me i also found myself resenting my babies oh yes and yeah. i say that very very carefully where during the pregnancy i felt resentment that this is what it was doing to my physical my mental my emotional and I did not bind with my babies when they came. Really, no. Ash? Oh my no, gosh! Okay, you a whole other that is yes, 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 yes. It took yes. me almost four months before I could look at them and feel Something. like complete joy. Not that I, I always yeah. love that.
0: No, for sure, right? I feel that.
1: But I felt very disconnected, and yes. the re- maybe resentment is a is a harsh word to some. But I did. If I'm being real and I'm being honest, absolutely, it, absolutely, it put me in a place where I and selfishly. I said, because of you, this is what happened to me, yeah. and I couldn't control those thoughts. That's mm-hmm. just what happened. And I don't yeah. know
3: if Tontine, if you, if you experienced anything similar. Uh, yes, you know, I, I wrote a piece for the on this group. and it is resentment, and 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 I and I know. Whew, I'm in my healing journey now to be able to use that word without. Feeling extreme amount of guilt for using it mm-hmm. because uh, I feel touched out with most of my children and I feel like mental health and depression has been a thief that has robbed me mm-hmm. from relishing a connection with my children. Because when my daughter was born, my first one was born, I remember her so vividly lying on the blanket on the floor and her eyes following me and me sitting feet, fo- feet away, a few feet away in the chair staring at her. And I see her excitement of her hands and feet just, you know, the you know, babies just kind of get so excited when they see their mama. I had no desire to pick her up. And I looked at her and I stared at her and I thought that I'm gone. And she took it away from me. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I can't hold her and I can't be the mother she deserves for me to be. So there's not only that, but there's this extreme amount of guilt and there's shame and there's loneliness because no one else, I can't tell anyone that I have this baby I've been praying for and she's beautiful and she's perfect and you know, my husband would come home and he would the, uh, her up and he would hold her for hours and he would stare at her and I'm looking at it going, If I die today, these guys are not gonna miss me because they have each other mm. and I and I spent months, months not falling asleep because I thought I would die in my sleep. Because what what purpose did my life hold if I was not being able to girl my daughter, if I was unable to hold her, if I was unable to take care of her and now there was just like, I might as well be blonde.
2: Oh, it's interesting. I had a slightly different experience with the same dynamic. I was able to bond with Tilly and everything, but because it took so much of me and being up with her one night, and then I had mositis three times. Ended up in the hospital twice with that. Uh, That's is no joke. No, it was no joke. It was very scary. And I was just so drained. And my third girl, she's 13 now, she was 11 then, she was needing me. And what she was requiring of me, I couldn't give. I didn't have anything
0: else. You had nothing left to give. And so
2: I started to have these feelings of not liking her
0: for your daughter, yes, the baby, or engaged. oh, for needing, girl, for I've been there. More. Yes, right, yes, yes, yes. yes, what I could give,
2: and I, it's, it's. I still have such guilt about feeling that way because I mean, this is something I'm working on healing with her and myself with because I was so not present, yeah, for her. And then I had some other crazy things going on in that season, too. That just really made it so hard to be present. And she needed me. And I had this dislike for her needing me. Mm-hmm. It was the crazy. And I hate to even have to articulate those words because I adore my daughter. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's hard. It's it's that, that meant it. You can't control it. These emotions and these feelings come up. And it's like... Where is this
1: from? And then the guilt that comes behind it, and the shame. I can't share this. I can't tell anyone. Yeah. It's it's just a depleting cycle. It's mm-hmm. like you can never. Just when you start to feel your 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 head coming above the water to take that breath, another wave is coming and mm-hmm. you're swallowing the water and you're yes. and you back sinking below. It's mm-hmm. just this constant
0: cycle. Did you guys feel like? So you'd have a really good day, and then you'd be fearful of what the next day might bring. Like, am I am I going to feel this good tomorrow? Am I going to be happy? You know, I noticed that in postpartum, so I don't know if this is something where, you know, in antipartum, like where you woke up, you're like, today's a great day. But then did you have anxiety, worried what the next yeah. day was going to bring?
3: Yes. Absolutely. Sometimes Absolutely. not even the next day. Sometimes it's like, sorry, I didn't mean oh, to um, cut in. But sometimes not kind of even the next day, you don't know if the next hour you'll be okay. You don't know if something will trigger you. Um, Suddenly, something small like a, a dark cloud moving in from your back window makes you feel fear, fearful because the room is getting darker and you want all the lights to turn on and you just feel like you just don't want that feeling to creep in again because once it does, you lose control of yourself once more. My kids still know when it get, like, I'm still moving like just, I was just a year ago and I had my last one three years ago. So when he was two, that as soon as it starts getting darker between when the sun starts setting, mom needs all the lights to be open because I didn't like, I didn't like that dark cloud to move in. (laughs) That's so crazy. I,
0: wow. Okay. This that's a whole nother topic. I, it's, I think it's so incredible to sit here and realize this, that three women, you guys, you know, I know Tom Keen and Tiff, you have really had the opportunity, but, Ash, like, and this is not a conversation we've ever had we've never talked about this that out of all of these people obviously I'm the host that you three have suffered with this issue do what I'm seeing like now let's look at this in big picture yeah how -hmm. many women out there that could be listening right now yeah that are suffering in silence Mm -hmm. that feel alone that, that their spouses or whomever you know their partner is like just you know because like men will never understand the toll and the emotional aspects that it takes on the, the body, mm-hmm. the brain, the, the 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 female as a whole, right? And so I think that if we can take anything away from this right here, and I think there is a lot more to add to this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: is how can we do a better job as a community of women to make women feel less alone and to be able to speak up when there's when they're dealing with antipartum or when they have anxiety and pregnancy because it's so crazy you get in this this thought like man yeah like people looking around or generational let's think about this how our parents are like honey you're fine like mm-hmm. you got yourself you got pregnant mm-hmm. like you did this honey mm-hmm. like not taking the account into how you feel as a pre, not only has your body changed, right? Mm-hmm. But how you feel about yourself, you know, like this, this anxiety, if you're already dealing with depression. So, one of my best friends, she also was on depressing, depressant, antidepressants during pregnancy and she had to go off. And she was so fearful. She had so much anxiety about being on it that she went off of it and it just tore, it turned her world upside down. So, I think that sitting back, if one thing we can, you know, I want to go around and and really have you guys just one thing that you would tell somebody listening to this that's like, man, what is it? Do I have that? Is it something that could be, what What would you tell them? What would you have? So say your daughter comes to you. So here's the best way to put it. Say your daughter comes to you 10, 15, 20 years from now, if you, you know, pseudo daughter, say you have a daughter, <laughs> if you don't have one now. And she says, mom, I think I'm I think I have depression, and she's in pregnancy. What is something you want to say to her, or these women that are listening that could be experiences th- experiencing this, and nobody—they don't feel justified, they don't feel heard, they think that something's wrong with them, they have shame surrounding it. What would you say to them? So, I'll let, Ash, I'll let you go. Ooh, I know it's a loaded, it's a loaded one. one. It's a good one, though. Gosh, I,
1: I would I would say that regardless of what your feelings are, that they matter mm-hmm. and that they have relevance and that they are worthy of having someone hear them. And I think that if there's even a notion in your mind, even the smallest sliver, that something is just a little bit off this, yeah. get help before it turns into a big off until there's a big gap in that. And I think that there is no shame in that. I think anything you're braver and stronger for voicing that something is
0: just off and I need the help. And you're standing up for other women that aren't, that don't have the ability to voice how they feel you know what i'm saying like and i i think like i said this is so much more there is Mm -hmm. so much more to be talked about because you guys i am 37 about to be 38 and i knew nothing about Mm antipartum okay 38 years almost 38 years of life and i'm sitting here like gosh Mm -hmm. this is crazy so uh, you know tiff so for me
2: same sentiments as ashley with another dynamic as a black woman. Ugh. And in the black community, oftentimes there's this stigma with mental health and getting help. Yeah. And know that it's not a stigma to seek out help. help, And to also, if there's a woman listening to this, that you're not pregnant, but your daughter is, your niece is, or mm-hmm. what have you, Pay attention. There's so many little context clues and things, you know, be intentional about paying attention to those women around you who are pregnant. Mm-hmm. Don't assume her experiences yeah. are, are, yours. are yours. And, you know, be encouraging. It's okay to get help. It's okay. And I think that is such a I just don't, I I don't, it's so many different reasons why the mental health in the black community has been swept under the rug for so many years and don't, you know, get help or what have you. But it's okay to not be okay and to express it. And it's okay to see somebody not being okay Mm -hmm. and find a way to help. Sometimes it could just be that simple. I'm just here. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit here with you. I'm just because sometimes you get so sunken in that alone place, and you don't even know how to express it, and sometimes just somebody's presence just simply being there with you to be there with you, yeah, you know makes
0: a big difference, you know, so I don't know that's... I love it, I think that's all the <sighs> mental health and minorities mm-hmm. is like a whole nother thing yeah. right, and i'm I'm Looking for. I'm, let's hear what Tom Keene has to say because I, you know, always dropping those wealth little <laughs>
3: gems. Mm-hmm. So, gosh, my daughter, she, I would say, I'm thinking back and of what Tiffany said, but I would say that know that, that it's okay and that what you're feeling is completely normal and you're not alone in what you feel and that you're safe with me without judgment. That if you feel like, even the pin drop, was too much of a noise. You're okay. You're normal. You're safe. I, I, Those are the three things that I think that come at me the biggest are the three statements of being normal, that being safe, safe of judgment, safe from ridicule, safe from shame, you know, like the mom shaming of the guilt, like, oh, God's giving me a blessing already. How dare you feel anything but, you know, love for it. and And just normalizing the fact that you're not alone. That, that, that you will always um, have a place to go and to say what you need to say because sometimes being in this space one of the hardest things is just feeling like your world the one in your mind the one that you think to be a fact is something that no one can relate to and no one can understand and so therefore like I said before too, like you're just trying to tame it. Because when you try to tame something, it's like a beast and you, and the more it stays inside, it's like a wages, a wages until one little thing, um, flips and then it comes at you so heavy and strong that it just takes you in. So, you know, I would just tell her that she, that she's safe with me. And I think that really, like Tiffany said, if, 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 I mean, this the same thing in my culture as well, mental health, stay it awake. Like it's just it's gonna go away because you're not you know you haven't prayed enough so please pray it away mm-hmm. and prayer helps but to be able to even find your words to pray takes a level of strength that mm-hmm. sometimes can't be found when you're when you're so debilitated in your mental health. You need tools and you need help at that. that yeah,
2: right. it's it's you know finding the balance. You know, we because you know for, with my religious beliefs and. So often you get that same sentiment, you know, if it hasn't changed, you haven't prayed. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. I am a firm believer, believer for me, that it's both spiritual and natural.
1: Yeah. That, mm-hmm. You know,
2: Yes, you pray and then you do the work, you know, scripture, faith without works is dead. So there's something, there's some steps that I need to take. Yeah, absolutely. And, and while I'm taking those steps, then the prayer that I'm putting in it, it comes together in this beautiful harmony. To manifest you, yep, what I yep. need to be manifest. But you can't, you know, and it doesn't mean God can't just instantly in an instant change something together. Really. Yes, but sometimes you need those tangible steps, those tangible tools. When I'm feeling this and have this emotion in this moment, this is what I do. Yeah. You need those tangible things. So, yes, I agree with that, Tom King.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. well, I think you guys made. So many great points, and I hope at the end of the day, women listening to this, or even like, open us up to to our girls, to mm-hmm. our daughters, to future generations, to things like that. To just be like, it is okay, and it's. You guys kept bringing this back to safety, which I think is mm-hmm. another podcast topic for women and safe feeling safe. Mm-hmm. You know, like men, I just so crazy. I think about this, men just. <laughs> guys like we can we can probably dive into this you know uh, <laughs> and, I, we're not gonna right now guys but the difference in like how men mental, like mental oh process. yes it's just so crazy where women want that that feeling of safety and stuff like that and here it's coming back to this part of pregnancy and feeling like it's it, i don't know about you but it just blows my mind it's just like wow so many things and i think we can all learn something from somebody if you're listening to this And you're struggling, reach out to us. Send us a DM. You can find us at Detroit Moms. Just reach out to us. If you feel or have, you're having those feelings or, or anything, reach out. We're here for you. Otherwise, please review us. Please rate us. Please subscribe so more women can listen to these important topics and they can start getting comfortable with the uncomfortable stuff. And we can start normalizing depression and mental health and antipartum and all of these things that go along with something that's supposed to be so beautiful Mm -hmm. thanks again for listening guys